Welcome to Managing Marketing, a weekly podcast where we discuss the issues and opportunities facing marketing, media and advertising with industry thought leaders and practitioners. Today I'm sitting down with the managing partner and co-founder of Mutiny Group, Matt Ferrugia. Welcome, Matt. G'day, Darren. Thanks for having me. Well, look, it's an absolute pleasure. And I have to say, I thought I was a bit of an anomaly having a science background and working in uh, medical research at the Royal <laughs> Children's Hospital before having a midlife crisis at 26 and becoming a copywriter. But I see you actually started your working career as an avionics engineer at Qantas. How the hell did that happen? Great question. And yeah, I I, I was probably the accidental ad man, to be honest, but I had a, um, I get asked this a lot. I, um, I did have a I had a passion for aircraft back then, as, as you do. Who doesn't? <laughs> yeah. And I thought that was, the, um, that was the path that I wanted to head into. And I, I uh, went through the whole process. I studied engineering and then got, in, got into the avionics um, apprenticeship at Qantas and completed it. And I was a licensed 737 uh, avionics engineer. And it was, a, it, was a, it was a fascinating time. I absolutely loved my time at Qantas. And then, um, as, as you say, I think, you know, your, my interest evolved. And back then in the 90s, late 90s, that was, I might add, we... Um, last millennium. Last, last millennium. millennium. That's right. That's right. All the youngsters <laughs> out there, we're talking about last that's, millennium. Yeah, exactly. I, I bought myself a HTML4 book and I thought, this internet thing's going to be big. So I'm going to teach myself how to code and build websites, which I did. So I started this little... Um, it wasn't called a side hustle back then. It was just a hobby. And then I started building websites for friends and families, you know, small businesses, and, and they started paying me. I'm like, oh, this is actually good fun. And, and then at the time, I, you know, quant- uh, what I realised, I mean, a- avionics engineering at the time was going through a huge transformation of itself, and Qantas went public uh, late 90s, and they had to downsize a big part of their avionics workforce in Australia and offshore it. So we could either, we had the choice of going offshore or getting an, getting redeployed within Qantas or going back to, um, to study, which I, I opted in for the latter and went back to study uh, multimedia, as what it was called back then, Darren, and, and marketing at, um, at RMIT. This is pre-digital. Pre- you know, everyone talks about digital, that's right. but uh, that's multimedia. Then I think it was uh, interactive. Interactive media. media and DVDs were pretty hot back then. It was all about macromedia and flash and those types of applications that Adobe, Adobe um, gobbled up. But we were, you know, I found I found a real um, interest and uh, passion for designing and adver- and being creative. You know, and the technology and creative coming together. And then from from there, just um, got into various roles within uh, what we would call client side now, but you know, uh, working for consultants around in the digital space. Um, it was even called online. You would have been pretty hot property back in those days, because you know, in those early days, people really had no idea what they needed. No. They just knew they needed someone that could work in that space, didn't they? Yeah. So I think you know. Back then, I had a real mix of skills within digital and marketing that were coming together. And I went through various you know, roles with companies and consultants on things like portals and 
digital marketing really started to, you know, to grow back then. And I think there was a big demand for what was called online producers, you know, creating digital, uh, you know, digital properties, websites and apps and all, all of that kind of stuff for brands. So I landed a gig with SBS managing their online, um, you know, a lot of their online assets like the Tour de France and, and uh, you know, various other documentary and news platforms, which is a just a wonderful job and environment to be working for. And at the time, SBS were, they received approval to go commercial and start selling ads to generate revenue. And, you know, I think a lot of that revenue came, the first place it came from was, was the, uh, was, was online. And, and, you know, I was tasked with, you know, selling and placing digital advertising on, on our, on those online properties. So the, the, the fascinating thing was with that money that we generated, being a non-for-profit was going back into the creation of content. And I started, um, just developed a real uh, another another interest started to you know um, come through from you know storytelling and, and creating content uh, and in the digital environment and then it was there I kind of um, was drawn to the the you know ad, drawn to advertising and a lot of my a lot of my friends back then from the broadcasters and, and you know content creators especially the SBSs and the ABCs they were. They used to say, oh, you know, Matt, you're getting lured to the dark side, which is advertising. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and, you know, I met, uh, and about that time, I met Sean Cummins and the crew back then, um, which were doing some fantastic stuff, you know, with the likes of Tourism Queensland and Virgin and et cetera, and just had this incredible portfolio of clients and was exposed to some great campaigns, including there was one little campaign that we did back then that I had a very, very small part in, which was the best job in the world, which just, again, just opened up my eyes to what 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 could be possible with you know with with ideas that are actually back then it was kind of digitally led but also an incredibly um, you know really really simple idea. Now that's uh, that's a period where Cummins was Cummins Nitro, wasn't it? And then it, it became was, yeah. Sapient Nitro and all it, of that. Yeah, that's right. That's right. What what a baptism into the advertising industry. Yeah. <laughs> It really, it really was, Darren. Yeah, and and you know there was some, there's some fantastic alumni that come out of that era. You know, um, in in all facets and capabilities, and and then from there, then you know, and just watching that best job in the world campaign just explode the way it did, taught me a lot about you know what could be possible in those channels, and and you know, and and the power of creativity, especially. Um, and then the role of technology to really get that out and amplify it the way the way that did, you know. Um, so and then from there, just um, you know, I think I, I kind of met a whole lot of other people and then found myself landing a gig at Wonderman um, and the the George Patterson YNR crew within WPP. It's interesting because you know, in in many ways, you learnt the technology first. You know, as you said, you sat down and taught yourself HTML four and you know how to apply that onto websites and the like. Then you went to you know publisher or client, and then publisher or broadcaster side, which is all you know, especially the broadcaster is long content, and it's one of the things that agencies will often struggle with. You know, the discipline of the fifteen second or the six second ad or the thirty yeah. second ad. Is, is a real discipline, but when they need to go longer, it's very, it seems that they often struggle to sustain the engagement, doesn't it? It, re- it really does. And look, and I've worked in some fantastic copywriters. I mean, writing in long form versus writing in short form is a very different skill set. Um, you know, and you know, there's, then there's editorial, which is really exceptional long form. But we're living in a world right now where 
you've got to tell a story in, in six second formats as well. You've got six second formats, you've got 15 seconds, you've got you know, this myriad of formats of, of, of ads that you need to squeeze in a story um, and an idea. And um, then, you know, you were at Wonderman, which is uh, really, for many people, considered the home of direct marketing because Lester Wonderman, who only passed away a couple of years ago, was in many ways wrote the manual on how to do and define direct marketing, didn't he? He, he? Yeah, he did. And I really cut my teeth and I think, you know, being fortunate to work with, with Wonderman at that time, I mean, Lester was incredible, you know, um, what, and, and I was on the tail end of a few con calls with him back then, you know, when he used to come to work every day out in New York. But, you know, I mean, this is a, here's a guy who, who brought, you know, direct marketing to advertising and innovated, you know, so much within the space, including, you know, the, the 1-800 number, you know, and what, what he's so famous for, you know, and a lot of those principles now, uh, uh, you know, are still adopted for very successful campaigns. Now, look, one of the things about all of this is that, you know, technology has driven the changes in your career and you've been a part of that, you know, both on the sort of technology side, the communication side, the broadcast side. But one of the, 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 the advantage of technology is the sort of instantaneousness of it. You know, that one of the reasons mm. it was called interactive media was, you know, our customers could actually interact with us in real time. But it's also driven a huge amount of data, hasn't it? And uh, data has become the big game play for the advertising and marketing industry. Is this uh, one of the drivers behind the Mutiny Group? Oh, it absolutely is. I think, you know, we're coming out of an era where, you know, there are so many um, data generative things that organisations have. Everything is generating data. You know, you're, you, from everything from your wearables to your, your devices to to every channel you exist in to your, you know, so you're, you know, it's a bit of an analysis paralysis with the amount of data that actually exists, you know. Uh, so, you know, I think, you know, I, coming out of, you know, within that digital world, I think back back when I was building my career in, in digital and, you know, going through these organisations and working in organisations on client side and agencies, the, the thing for me that I really, you know, started to look at but also become a little frustrated about was digital or technology as such was the department in the corner. Yeah. You know, and, and what happened there is that digital department were most often, most, com- most often than not, was, were the ones who were managing the, the platforms. They were managing the solutions, you know, defining the solutions, implementing the solutions, managing the solutions, and those solutions were generating all that data and just generating such a rich amount of data, which within that was an incredible amount of insight. So, but the problem was for a long period of time that, that it was still very much default to that department over there, you know. So if you wanted to access something digital or collaborate or build an idea, you needed to go and engage the digital department. And then over the last 15 or so years, we started to hear about being integrated, you know, and agencies especially were talking about, oh, no, that's we're fully integrated, you know, and what that meant is they, they got a, a digital person and plonked them in an account service, for example, or they got a creative and they called them digital because they had digital skills. But, but the thing that was missing was that real natural integration and flow with data, because as we know, within that richness of data lives a whole lot of insight. Yeah, it's interesting though, Matt, because, you know, 
Um, you would think that creative agencies, as they're building these platforms and engagement interfaces, let's call them, you know, they're ways of engaging and they can collect huge amounts of data. But it's really not the creative agencies that are doing it, is it? It's the media agencies. It seems that it's almost defaulted to the media agencies, perhaps because traditionally they've had access to some data, that suddenly they're the ones that are also taking on board the whole you know, responsibility as much as they can for data. So, Darren, it's, you, 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 you're exactly right. And we see this all the time. And I think if I was to start an agency again today, tomorrow, for example, I would absolutely put data at the, at the very, very centre and then weave it through the whole organisation. I think, you know, the, the analogy I kind of talk about quite often is if you remember um, back in the, in the early 2000s, it is, you know, when, when digital really started to enter a more of a commercial sense for businesses and e-commerce started to start, really started to, you know, be born and grow and Amazon was very, very, you know, just, just starting to come out. They were selling a lot of books back then. But if you, wanted to, if you had a website and you needed to understand how that website was performing and you wanted to improve that or at least just validate your or get a sense of your return on investment for all that money you're spending on your website, you needed to call your IT department or your, your, your digital and tech agency uh, and, they, and you'd request a report, they would have to go into the server logs and look at uh, all the clicks and the raw data. And back then there was all sorts of platforms called Allstats and whatever, and it was a very technical thing. You know, you have to raise a ticket with your IT department to pull out server logs to tell you how the website's performing, right? And then soon after, there were analytics companies really started to, you know, arise and see the need for that and go, actually, you know, businesses need to optimize websites much quicker. They need they need to see what's happening. And then and then the you know the real the real champions at the time that really said, guys, everyone, industry, here's a solution was Google Analytics, right? So Google Analytics came out and said they, they acquired a company back then, um, I think it was called Urchin or something like that, but they acquired a company. Um, and they said, we're going to lead the way for Google anal for, for analytics, digital analytics. And they, they open sourced it and it was free. And you could integrate analytics so easily by inserting tags in your websites. So you had access as a brand and as a business, you could log in and then easily extract a report and email it and get, get scheduled emails of reports daily, if you like. And what that did, it really fast-tracked transformation with, with e-commerce and UX experiences with how how websites optimize so quickly. And we saw technology shift from being just, you know, really, really complicated flash interactions and animations to really highly usable, you know, um, really rich UX and really customer experience became important and highly valuable. So fast track 21 years. And my, my analogy leads us to where we are, as in, you know, if you want to, if you're a marketer, if you're a brand and you want to know what's going on within your marketing investment, yeah, more often than not over the last five or 10 years, you would default to your media agency and ask them because that's where the data sits. And, um, or, or actually more often than not, also consultants. And it might be external consultants or there might be a data department that you have buried within your organisation. So what happens, what we saw was happening was if you wanted to get a read on, on performance and and return on investment so you can optimize things or at least prove to your you know your, your cfo or your, your c-suite that what you're doing is not just the, the the arts and craft department you know you build those reports but they would take six months or more you know we've had some 
customers at the moment on, on our platform who have come from producing these reports from, from eight to nine months, now they produce them weekly. Yeah. And, and look, I was going access. to say, this is one of the issues, you know, it's not just the agencies that are incredibly siloed when it comes to data. We are, some of the biggest organisations that we deal with, you know, if you talk to the marketers, and, and let me clarify that, I mean the marketing communications people about data analytics, they go, oh yeah, that's a department and they point across exactly. the floor and down three exactly. levels. That's where it sits, you know, that there's these and, and, people and, and, that own data. You're absolutely bang on. And, you know, the more sophisticated, the organisations that are really winning today in many categories globally, right, the number one thing that we, that you can, you can I'm seeing it everywhere, I'm reading a lot about it, I'm sure you are as well, is, is speed. You know, speed is how you win in today's environment, you know. And also, you know, whether it's speed to insight, you know, speed to market, you know, speed to innovation, et cetera. But the way you do that is, you know, data is 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 the thing that can fuel that and get you to that insight. And getting access to that data is another thing. So it's not data itself. It's not just the data because everyone has the data. It's it's more around the capability and how that capability sits within your organisation. You know, to your point exactly. Like, it's not just having the data team well over there. It's how is that data capability embedded into your your team and your workflow. So they can access that insight that matters when they need it. Matt, I think you, you hit the nail on the head with the word access. You know, I think the first thing is how and when do I get to access the data in a format that actually drives decision making? Because here's the other thing, you know, I, you have these conversations with various people, agencies and, and on the client side, the marketers, and they'll talk about either data being used to give insights for developing campaigns or some will talk about using data to optimise campaigns or some will talk about using data to learn the lessons of what to do next and not to do next time. And they talk about it as three very different pieces. But in actual mm. fact, it's all part of the one, isn't it? Absolutely. And it's it's... It's all part of the one. It's all. Um, I mean, we see. I mean, data. Data is. It's just. It's. It's part of life. And the same way technology is is a life force. Now, you don't. You know. You don't call. You know. Your our relationship with technology is that it's part of our lives. It's part of our clothes. It's part of our accessories. It's just. It is the way we do banking. It's the data is all around us, and it should be the same. It needs to be accessible, and it's just there. You know, and it should be there. And it's not it's not the data. It's more the it's more the you know the, the insights that you can extract and read from it and put it to use. You know, and you know, and and then again, you know, I mean, all insights are absolutely fascinating, but absolutely useless until until they're actually used. Yeah, and look, that's one of the things is it's the format that the data is presented in, you know, because ultimately, uh, and I know you've talked about this previously, but, you know, it the whole purpose of these insights is to mm. present the data in a way that actually informs decision-making. Because, Absolutely. You know, yeah, while, while everyone talks about AI and, and machine learning and the, and the like, oh. uh, what that's really doing is digging into the data to find the insights. Ultimately, there's going to be someone who needs to be informed of what those findings are so that they can make decisions and make them in real time. You're absolutely right there. And I think, you know, from in the world that we operate in at Mutiny, I think if you look at, you know, the way 
the way marketing ROI or things like media mix modeling were achieved, um, and still in the most part are, like as a, as a study, it's more of a research study. And that research study is undertaken over a period of time. It can be anywhere, as I mentioned earlier, from three months to 12 months in some instances. And then at the end of that study, more often than not, there's the outcome of that study is a is very large PowerPoint deck. And you look at that PowerPoint deck and that to your point, like, you know, if you've got a PowerPoint deck and it might have some incredible, absolute golden nuggets of insights that can transform your business, but it's 250 pages, you know, and you've got, you've, you, you've got to get your marketing coordinators to format it first to make sure it's on brand because you've got to present and do a roadshow to everyone and you've got to, you've got to do an ELT version and you've got to do a yeah, yeah. C-suite summary pack and you've got to, you know, and there's a, there's a whole lot of effort to get to that, whereas, you know, the way you've got to access those insights is sit there and read that 250 pack. But in the meantime, the world shifted, right? The, la- the media landscape in particular has slightly shifted beneath, beneath your feet and there might be new competitors in market. There might be new channels that have emerged. There might be new sponsorship opportunities, et cetera. So, you know, that speed element of how you respond to those changes now is more critical than ever. Yeah, and I, I, a good uh, metaphor for this is so much of the use of data in organisations and particularly marketing is like driving down the freeway at 150 miles an hour, <laughs> looking in the rearview mirror to see what you ran over. Exactly. You know? Because it's all happened before. You know, it happened That's back right. there. Whereas, right. you know, what you actually want is literally, and I know this word gets overused, but you need the dashboard. You know, I think in uh, avionics it's called telemetry, isn't it? You need the telemetry there so you know where you're going. Do I have enough fuel? What are the uh, obstacles in my way? You know, is that volcano erupted or are the headwinds going to uh, use up more fuel so you can actually get to your destination? Is is that a reasonable metaphor? It absolutely is, mate. And I think while we're on the aviation uh, metaphor, I think, you know, in avionics, you know, or aircraft, I can't believe I'm using um, aviation metaphors here, but let's go with it. You know, you've got, within an aircraft, you've got, you know, um, you've got good oil and you've got bad oil. You know, there's a, you know, and and bad and, and good oil, all your instruments are going to fly, you know, absolutely as they should. And there are going to be no other errors coming out of all your instruments and your, your mechanical parts. But bad oil can really cause damage. You know, bad oil can lead to incorrect readings in the cockpit. It can, you can, you know, you might have machinery failures, et cetera. And in the, in the context, you know, bringing it back to within marketing, you've got, you've got good data and you've got bad data. You know, we see a lot of trash data, for example, that marketers, you know, initially get really obsessed about. And, you know, and what we help them with is, is structuring that data to, to, to ask a question, well, you know, does this really answer the question we're trying to, you know, does this really solve the problem that we're trying to, you know, set out to understand more about? Yeah, Matt, I'm really glad you said that because I saw a comment by uh, Professor Byron Sharp where he was cautioning marketers about flying the aircraft on data because he said so much data that they're using is corrupt. It's junk. You know, it's That's junk right. data. It, it is absolute junk and we see this all the time, you know, and... There is a there, there has been an obsession, and I can I can go on about this for so long. But I mean, you know, you've got everything from, um, yeah, and, and, you know, for things like the vanity metrics, thinking of the, all the vanity metrics, and they might the be the clicks so in, and the likes, the clicks, and, and that, yeah. the clicks, you know, and bringing it back to what what is contributing to a sale. 
you know, and there might be a whole lot of data that that is that is that is really you know might seem rich because you might look at things and going well, the, this is what is contributing to a sale over here, but then what you're missing is the the bigger picture about you know what 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 else is happening in their worlds within that data ecosystem that you could extract to understand what is contributing to that sale if that makes sense. So Matt, I want to uh, focus now specifically because you you mentioned you know return on marketing investment and marketing mix modeling. Uh, in passing a minute ago, but uh, you guys have developed this, uh, what, what do you call it, a platform, but war chest, you know, this this, uh, this ability for not just marketers but organisations to really pull together the, the multitude of data sources to really start informing decisions, haven't you? Can you can you just give us a description or an explanation of what war chest is? Because I yeah, love no, the name, good. by the way. I'd, yeah, love no, thanks. I'd love a good war chest <laughs> to go into battle with. Yeah, look, I think it was it was kind of on brand when we called ourselves Mutiny, you know, and I think um look what we set out to do, Darren, was we wanted to wanted to, we wanted to disrupt the the, tr- the more traditional methods for how media mix modeling was being conducted and econometrics, you know. Now econometrics and the methodologies within econometrics to achieve it have been around for, for many, many years. And I think, and as has media mix modeling. And what, what we saw is, you know, there was a real need to transform the way it had been done because there's an, when you run those programs, there's a huge reliance on data for one. There's a massive reliance on re- physical resources and people to conduct the, those studies. And it's a, it's a very drawn out process. And because of the, by nature of that, that approach, it's very expensive, you know. And normally brands would approach those programs historically on a time and materials basis. You know, we, we need X amount of data analysts and X amount of data scientists uh, and, and consultants for X amount of hours, which means it's going to cost us this much. Um, and, and the time to do that would be so long. In the meantime, the data landscape changes, the media landscape changes. So we thought, yeah, sorry? Well, so Because I've had uh, clients say, oh, we've been down that path, you know, and uh, we've been quoted, uh, you know, million, not much change out of a million dollars and it's going to take uh, right. six yeah. to 12 months. And I, it just seems ridiculous. I- exactly. So uh, we thought, we set out to build Warchest to build a, you know, to provide a platform experience around marketing ROI. And what we mean by that is, is you know a platform that allows business to analyze marketing ROI at the speed of their data, basically, and importantly, a platform experience that they can they can embed into their teams. So it's about you know they they don't need to rely on any other third party outside of their team to be able to get a read on their ROI, to get an understanding of the optimal channel mix, to get an understand of their impact. Um, the impact that their their brand marketing, their media, and you know, and things like pricing are having on their business performance, you know, and what impact it's having on sales. So we thought um, it needed to happen much quicker. It needed to be more accessible, and it needed to be in the world of the of the user of the brand themselves, so they can actually access it. And also, importantly, that their media agencies and agency partners can come on board and use the tool as well. So that's where that's why we created. War chests, and and we do that. We help customers with, uh, you know, we, what we found is our customers get really excited the fact that they have access to these insights when they need them, 
and they can build it into their planning cycles, their brand cycles, and also their financial reporting schedule. So we actually get a lot of our, our customers' finance teams getting access to some of these reports. And it's really what we've found, it's also bridging that, that, that you know, that age-old, you know, um, gap between the CMO and the CMO and the marketing and finance teams, you know, where we're marketing now, you know, our ambition is to really equip marketing, marketing leaders to be able to, you know, have the financial literacy and speak with confidence around the commercial impact their marketing is having to sales. So if what we've seen is, for example, if a, more often than not, if a procurement department, yeah, which, you know, that's a whole other story, you know, a procurement department might say, let's, let's or the CFO in, in turn might say, well, can I understand why we're spending so much in these channels? Yeah, or can we reduce our budgets over here? And, and what this does is really equips marketing to have that story and go, well, you know, this is what's happening when we spend this much money with these channels. For example, television's got a fantastic, you know, um, ad decay. So, you know, versus search. But when we work them together, we've got this incredible impact and we can drive sales in this time of the year really effectively. Now, Matt, you've mentioned media mix modelling, but also you're getting data from other sources. You know, there's sales Absolutely. data, there's yep. promotional data, door-to-door sales, yeah, whatever else is going on. Does the does War Chess cope beyond just the media? You know, Absolutely. Can, can it be a marketing mix modelling? Can you take into consideration all well, the other things? Because I know a lot of marketers, you know, when agencies, media agencies come to them and go, oh, we've done this media mix modelling or attribution modelling and, uh, you know, what you need to do is be spending more money on channel X, Y and Z. They feel like it's a sales technique, that somehow the model's been put together just to justify a greater expenditure into channels that the media agency, you know, prefers. I'm just wondering, <laughs> can we... Uh, and I can say that, but probably a lot of people won't. Um, but, uh, yeah, yeah there, there's, more, there's more levers here than just media. There absolutely right? is. Yeah, and, and to, to, to that point, Darren, I think, you know, media mix, we don't see our solution being media mix modelling in its own, like on its own. Media mix modelling is only one sum of, sum of all parts to understand your, your true kind of, you know, a unified measurement of all your marketing investment. Warchest is a marketing investment analytics platform. So we, uh, by nature of being a marketing analytics platform, we have to look at the entire marketing ecosystem. And, you know, by that, what I mean is we look at, you know, we look at the business performance. You know, ultimately, that's where we start. What is a what is a what is an organization wanting to model? What's important to them? Is it sales? Is it applications? It depends if you're in a service related industry. If you're in a FMCG industry, it's going to be it's going to be obviously sales. It might be things like you know brand awareness, brand consideration, um, and the like. So we look at that. That's where we start, and then we when we across that marketing ecosystem, we look at the the paid, owned, earned, and shared environments. You know, typically. So within paid, which is you know a huge amount of data within. You know, um, and 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 we and we can model an unlimited amount of channels for any any particular brand. And when you say paid, you're talking about all the traditional media channels and and all the digital media channels. You know, all the publisher yeah. data. Yeah, and and it grows it grows every month, Darren, as you yeah. as you would know. Yeah. You know, but we're also talking about things like sponsorship. Yeah. We're also talking things um, about you know every um, you know, within a channel. You know, within a channel, you have sub channels. You know, and then within channels, you also have, you know, 
variables like, for example, geography, the publisher, the creative and the format. And we're able to dive into all of, all of those, um, you know, and we're able to look at each, each individual channel and also each individual channel's overall contribution. Yep. And then we can look at the relationship of each channel. Then on top of that, as I mentioned earlier, paid is only one part of it. You also got to look at what's happening in the world. What at the moment of my marketing, when my campaign was in market, what was happening in the world? And what I mean by that, what were the interest rates doing? What was the weather doing? What were, if I'm in retail, what other, what other retail events, what gifting periods were happening when I was in market? Were, 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 was I in a holiday period in certain states, for example? Yeah. Was there an election? So we take all that data. Now, I'm talking about a huge amount of data. Like, you know, um, hence, historically, that's why most organisations used to, the only way this was an affordable is that they had to offshore that, yeah. you know, um, and find resources globally around the world that were a lot cheaper to crunch and analyse, coordinate, structure this data, make sense of it, and then put it into a coherent report or visualisation tool. Which also took, uh, you know, forever. And by the yeah. time you got, you know, like my using my 150 mile an hour <laughs> car, you've already <laughs> run over the uh, poor kangaroo right. by the time you know it's exactly. there. Um, so, so here's the thing, you know, you're talking about literally hundreds of sources of data, yeah. right? Whereas... Yeah, you know, most media agencies would be looking at you know some uh, some uh, proprietary research they subscribe to, some uh, publisher data, and and a few more things, and be building models. and And I know one one agency was very proud that their uh, media mix modeling was based on twenty different uh, sources of data. You know, it just uh, felt a bit uh, a bit yeah. light on. It's a bit limited, right? Because yeah. we've got we've got some brands now. We can have, you know, I mean, we have in excess of a, of 150 sources of data for a particular product. We can, and we can have more. So the, the the reason why that's important is because the full picture is big for a one for one brand. It's no longer just paid media driving a sale. You know, um, there's also things like in the in you know within FMCG mostly. There's also Oh, actually, most brands. There's trade marketing, yep. you know. You've and there's also there's also customer service. There's also the NPS within that, you know. So there's the picture is big, yep. you know. It's huge. So the only way, you know, and and this is what we love, and this is why the time is right now for many reasons is is the need for a unified measurement system has never been more important now. Like if if brands don't have a unified measurement system for all of that, then they're 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 losing the battle. They're not they're not going to have the speed that they need to, to maintain and get the competitive advantage. And the only way to do that, and the, the, the biggest enabler for that over the last five years would be the cloud and cloud computing and cloud technology and services within the cloud. You know, if I was to do this in my previous employer um, or anywhere, like if we wanted to do it, you know, um, physically, you would need, you would need a data centre, uh, a significant physically physical sized data center or a lake a <laughs> or a lake that's right an ocean <laughs> a data ocean <laughs> it's funny exactly. though because the the end point you know while there's hundreds of you know, hundreds of sources with millions and even trillions of data points the whole aim is to get it down to 
a number of measures and insights so that the average market or the average business person yep. can actually see, you know, understand what's happening and yeah. make a decision based on that. I.e., exactly we should do right. more of that and less of that. Or what happens also, if I do this? Yeah, exactly. But it's also it's being able to make those decisions. But importantly, knowing the value of that decision. And that yeah. was the other thing that was missing. Like I think a lot of marketers I worked with at the time, some brilliant marketers. You know, they're the the the, the, the most. And you would you would know some you know some of these people as well. I mean, their their ability of being. Um, I mean, the reason why they're exceptional at what they do is is the ability to make those decisions and they do make so many of those decisions you know and the ones that really stand out are the ones that know the value of those decisions if i make this decision it is going to be worth this to the company it's going to be worth this towards our brand you know it's going to do this it's going to have this impact it's knowing the value of that decision sets them apart yeah and that's what that's what we provide and that's what we focus on so, you know, make business decisions about marketing. God forbid. That's right. <laughs> who, would have, who would have thunk it? And, you know, and, and again, it's not just about when, you know, historically when you, when you, you know, from, from my experience or, you know, people I've spoken to, when you look at marketing, you know, whether it's media mix modelling or econometrics or those types of programs, when they come into the world of marketers and brands, more often than not, they're looking for, a story and a narrative of how their marketing has performed. They're looking for those insights. They're looking at, you know, have we contributed and all of that. But a lot of the time they get fallen into this world of where we can save money. You know, how do we how do we be more efficient? Or, you know, obviously how do we be more effective? But a lot of the time it's like how do we save money? And, you know, what we're seeing is it's not just about how you're saving money. It should be how you're, how you're growing your business, you know, because marketing really should be, and, you know, for a lot of companies, it is a growth engine, you know, and, and a lot of the times it does default to this, this cost center where really in this day and age and the role of brand, they should be, they, they are the ones that can make or break a business. In my mind, they should be much close to being a profit center. And the only way to do that is to have that capability and that ability to have that commercial conversation quite fluidly around your, your, the impact that your marketing is having to your business. So realistically, you know, uh, it, there's a marketer sitting there, they're going, this sounds great. What they would do is talk to you guys, you would then uh, identify all of the data sources that for their particular category that they have available. You'd plug in all those APIs into the war chest. It would look at data, what, over a, the last six months, 12 months or whatever. For, as it five, years, five years. Five years. And, and learn, learn the patterns of the the what has worked or the combinations that have reduced or increased uh, sales and performance and then go from there. So what are we talking about? Because, you know, as I said before, I've had clients say six to 12 months that they've been quoted by some consultancies to get this up and running. <laughs> what, what, what's a realistic expectation to be up and running? Yeah, that's the, uh, look, and again, this is probably our real point of difference. We've stood up this plat. We've stood up war chests for brands in four weeks. You know. Oh and, my god! Really? And, 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 and I caveat that by saying, you know, it, it's organisations who do who know where their data is. Yes. You know, because sometimes <laughs> it lives, as you you well know, right? But, you know, we you know for us, it's you know we have all the tools and we've invested a lot. Of, of you know um, of time and resources into 
developing the tools to help our customers structure their data. Yeah, and a lot of the time they there are brands that don't know where that data is, and and Warchest has been a real awakening for them to go, holy crap, you know, we've got data everywhere with you know previous agencies. It's or it's you know we've got a we, and a lot of the time they use Warchest to really connect their data, right, and really centralize it so they can use it. Um, so in saying that, I mean, yeah, we, we, it, fr- from our point of view, we can stand it up in, in you know, very, very quickly. By nature of being a, a SaaS product and a, and a tech company, it's all we do, you know, yeah. and we do this day in, day out. Um, but, you know, in some instances, there are some customers that need to go on that data journey first before they can actually run into this program. And, and we always encourage them to do that, understand you know, um, you know, first of all, what it is that you're, what's important to your business to, to model um, and then go on a journey to, 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 to structure that, you know, a really, really short and brief data strategy. Now, we don't do any of that work, by no, the way. No, I was going to say it sounds like an opportunity for us because we've done <laughs> yeah. data audits for clients. Yeah, absolutely. Well, there you go. So, yeah. there, there you go. And, look, and we encourage our media agency partners. I mean, work with, we work with most of the media agency, um, you know, independents and holding companies and, and, and a lot of the time, we're we're providing them with tools as well, and and yeah. and and and, run, and we invite them to a lot of our training programs to to to, to work that process because it's our view that it's in, if you know it's it's in the best interest of our of our you know shared customer, and you know we encourage media agencies to get on the platform and, and you know work with them to kind of you know structure and store that data. I think that's one of the things I find really exciting about this is that when individual um, teams, whether it's agency, parts of the client organisation, external consultants come along with a solution, there is always this fear about, oh, well, do they own the data? You know, they get into discussions around who owns it. This sounds like an opportunity for real collaboration. You know, it, let's it pour is. all the data into a central point. We've yeah. got an AI and a, and a methodology that will then analyse and present it so that everyone is informed around the table and can have real input, valuable input into that decision-making process. So it sounds like a win-win-win. Ab- absolutely is. And I think when we when we run through that process and you, you extract the data from the black box, so to speak, you know, and then, you know, there are the, the, the group or the agency village see the power of, you know, what you can do with that data and the platform, you know, light bulbs go on, you know, and it's, you know, and you know what we what we also realise is that these this program or Warchess in particular, the platform can identify opportunities in marketing. It can identify new creative opportunities, and you know, and you know, what, I mean, look, when we talk about effectiveness and and you know, media mix modelling and all of that stuff, I mean, the thing that comes out and it can trump it all is creative, right? I mean, yeah. you can have the most incredible creative campaign, and there's a combination of, you know, obviously, you know, really, really sound and. Um, and solid strategy, but also a bit of a you know finger in the air, a bit of luck that that campaign is going to be effective because of the creative. So exactly, you know, and and that's something that we do. We were able to measure as well and bring that creative back into the platform, so we can we can prove the case that when we do spend time in creative, when we do spend time on really driving, you know. Um, great creative ideas that are grounded in solid strategy and informed by data, you can have the most incredibly effective campaign. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, Matt, this is uh, this has been a great conversation. Uh, clearly, the 737 is still flying high, <laughs> and uh, it sounds like you're flying with high oil. with the Mutiny Group. 
so, you know, I hope uh, it's just up, up and away, as they say, for the future. Yeah. Thanks very much, Darren. Love the chat. And look, uh, just uh, one question uh, before I go, because you said you're, you love flying. What is your favourite aircraft these days? Thank <music> you.